Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. Along with bringing you updates and critical information happening all around the world, we're always fortunate to have the chance to bring in our local ELA lawyers. These good folks practice on the ground in jurisdictions all around the globe, working daily to help their clients move through difficult times. On the program, we span the globe with updates on critical information from ELA members in each region. And today we're gonna to talk to two of our members in Delaware. Joining us on the program is Lauren Russell and Adria Martinelli, counsel at Young, Conaway, Stargat, and Taylor in Wilmington. Today, they're gonna to share with us some updates on the pandemic and how it's impacted employment law in Delaware. Adria and Lauren, welcome to the program. How are you today? Great, thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having us. Well, I know both of you are new to the show, so let's just take a second to get to know you a little bit. I'd like to have you tell me a little bit about yourselves, how you came to practice in labor and employment. And Adria, let's start with you. Hi, thank you. I graduated from law school in the dark ages of the 1990s, and I was in the D.C. area and went to practice at a national labor firm there who I won't identify because they're a competitor of the ELA. But I started in government contracts in a firm that was predominated by employment law and quickly decided that I thought employment law sounded a lot more interesting. We like to call it sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting stuff goes on in the workplace. It touches on a lot of things that are, to me, piqued my interest more than government contracts. So I switched over to employment law practice at that time, about 20 years ago, and never stopped. Haven't looked back since then, right? I have not. Good. Lauren, what about you? Thank you so much for having me. You know, like many law students, I left law school not having a really strong sense of what I wanted to do and started my second summer working at Young Conaway and had the privilege to work with Adria and others in the labor and employment section at the firm. And it was really love at first sight, just challenging, interesting work that has a real personal side to it, which is not often true in, you know, sort of the, the, the business representational side of the practice of law. So like Adria, you know, when I, when I got to see the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, it was a very easy choice. And I was lucky enough to be made an offer into the department back in the summer of 2008. And I have been with Young Conaway since I graduated in 2009. So it's been a, a wonderful career. And I've been very, very lucky to enjoy all of my time with the same firm. So ladies, thanks for the update and introducing yourself to our audience, but let's talk a little bit about Delaware. You know, a lot of companies incorporate in Delaware, a lot of organizations that aren't even based in Delaware are incorporated there. And I'm not sure what our listening audience really knows about practice in Delaware. So can you tell me, is there anything unique and noteworthy about labor and employment in Delaware? And Lauren, let's start with you if we can. Yeah, you know, the answer is yes and no in a lot of ways. One of the nice things about labor and employment in Delaware for national businesses that operate here is that we track very closely federal law. When I started practice in 2009, that was even more true than it is today. We certainly do have a progressive General Assembly. And so we have been on the forefront of legislating issues like non discrimination on the basis of gender identity and sexual orientation, for example. But with regard to things like wage and hour laws, 
paid leave. We really rely heavily on federal law. Delaware has not supplemented those statutes to a great degree. And so practicing here and and operating here is sort of akin to to operating in, in a strictly federal jurisdiction. That being said, Delaware is a very, very small state, both in in terms of geographic area, but also in population. And so one of the wonderful things about being here is that there is a level of collegiality that you don't see in a lot of jurisdictions. We're surrounded by Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. And the civility of practice here is really distinct from our neighbors. You know, just today I uh, am working on a case. I'm Delaware counsel. So I have other attorneys working with me from another firm in another jurisdiction. They said, Hey, you know, we, we see this name on a related workers comp claim. Do you know this lawyer? And I sure do. I picked up the phone, gave the workers comp attorney a call, got all sorts of interesting insights on a very complex and interesting disability claim. But that's really something that is, you know, special about Delaware that, you know, you're going to see the same lawyers over and over and over again. It really helps when we're talking about things like contract negotiation, trying to find an amicable resolution in litigation. Adria, what about you? I'll echo some of the same things that Lauren said about the benefits of a very collegial bar. We're small, and and that I think is beneficial to our clients in terms of getting matters resolved amicably and when we can and not amping up too much fees that arise out of litigation when the parties are just contentious and the council becomes contentious. I think we're, we're able to avoid that in most instances, which is great. We also have the Court of Chancery. You mentioned, Pete, the nature of Delaware is uniqueness in terms of its businesses incorporating here. They also file bankruptcy here if they're incorporated here. And that brings us Delaware's Court of Chancery, which is nationally recognized for its jurisprudence in the area of corporate law. And it's also, it's an equitable court, but we use it for, for instance, non-compete cases here in Delaware. And we've got an incredible judiciary who is also known to be corporate friendly. So that's also a benefit. um, (laughs) We will take that for sure. In our defense practice. So that's another unique facet of, of practicing here in Delaware. So it sounds like Delaware is a pleasant place to do business. I imagine during a normal course of business, that's a great thing. But the last two years has not been normal. So I'm sure like most employment attorneys, you've had lots of time consumed with issues arising from the pandemic. Specific to your practices, what questions and concerns are you seeing most often at this stage of the pandemic? And Adrian, let's stay with you on that one. Sure. Our practice, many practices have been affected by this pandemic, but employment law certainly. And we've sort of seen waves of of what we've been dealing with starting from the beginning of this over a year ago now. But in the beginning, you know, one of our colleagues said it well. She said, we all became junior epidemiologists. And we did. We had to because we're counseling our clients on contact tracing and who needs to isolate in the workplace and getting panicked calls, you know, at five o'clock because you find out somebody got a positive test in the workplace. So we, we had that for a while. Now what we're seeing more of, at least what I'm seeing more of, is concern about the vaccinations and how we handle vaccinations in the workplace. You know, collecting, do we want to collect that information? Employers collecting information, do we want to encourage vaccinations? 
Do we want to use a carrot or a stick? Do we want to mandate vaccinations? And we're getting a lot of those questions right now just due to the timing. We hope we're on the downside of this and most employers are thinking about if they haven't already getting people back into the workplace and how they maximize safety in the workplace and, and vaccinations being a you know an important consideration of that. So I'm dealing with a lot of counseling on vaccinations right now and how to handle that. We were also starting to see our first COVID related lawsuits. So, and I know we'll all start to see more of those, but the, the, the employment sort of discrimination and retaliation lawsuits always take time to percolate before they get to the courts. And I've seen now seen some of my first whistleblowing charges that, that somebody complained of COVID safety related precautions in the workplace talk to the local public health department or CDC, made some complaints and then got, got later terminated and claimed that it was not because of the performance concerns that were articulated, but rather that they made some complaints about COVID precautions. And I know we will continue to see more of those. And in the, in the employment setting, we often see employees who, when they know that they have some sense there's performance issues, their, their job may be at risk or they're about to experience some discipline and may, may be getting, getting more severe to progressing to termination. Employees, savvy ones, will often, we, we call it, wrap themselves in the flag, do some pro, take some proactive measure to insulate themselves. So in the past, sometimes we would see EEO claims or other types of complaints in the workplace that they know would give them some some protected status. Now I think we're going to start to see a lot more of these COVID type complaints. So that's what in the case I'm dealing with right now, there's good reason to believe this particular employee knew that his job was at risk and then very actively reached out to CDC and the local public health department and complained internally about what was purported to be some, some non-following of health precautions in the workplace. And then they moved forward with the discipline and he got the timing just right. So now it looks like he, he complained, he complained about COVID precautions and two days later he was terminated. So I think we'll, we will continue to see those types of complaints. I'm still dealing with, and I'm sure Lauren is too, ADA accommodation issues. So when employees, now that many employers are trying to get people back into work, employees are asking for accommodations. Many are asking for accommodations in the form of work from home because they've all been doing it for a long time now. Many employees have been. That's going to continue to be a concern and something that employers will have to deal with, which is employees saying, I've been effectively working from home for a year now, so why are you going to say now it's an essential function that I be in the workplace? And that's going to be a, an ongoing battle. At the same time, not so much from a, a law perspective, but just a, just a practice and the reality of the workplace and retaining workers. I think it's clear there has been a seismic shift that employers who before who may have been reluctant to have workers work from home in most cases it's now been proven employees can be very effective from home and in many cases 
can be as effective as in the workplace. And, and so I think employers who, who had not considered that before, just to be competitive employers and to retain employees are, are going to more and more have to be considering that option, at least, at least part of the time for their workers. Lauren, what do you have to add? Yeah, I, I think that the only other thing that I would mention is that, you know, here in Delaware, we have had a very robust approach to pandemic management from the governor's office. And so oftentimes the questions that we're dealing with are really focused on, in addition to all of the things that you would expect on the federal side that Adria referenced, you know, exactly what does the governor's executive order require in terms of how many people are allowed to be in the office at any given time, the provision of personal protective equipment. Employers in Delaware are required to provide those types of resources in a lot of circumstances a mandate of continued remote work for many, many white collar employees who can work remotely. So those kinds of things have continued to be very much front and center as well. So let's talk about going forward into the future. You know, we've faced the last 14 months with lots of uncertainty. So how are you counseling your clients with regard to long-term planning? What are you saying to clients to help them think about the future? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we we plan with a lot of contingencies right now. One of the nice things about such a small state is that we do have our fingers sort of on the pulse of what's happening in a whole lot of industries all across the state. And there's a lot of sort of social variation from northern Delaware to southern Delaware, even though we are a very small state there can be some pretty significant sort of political swings, which are absolutely a factor in the current environment. So, you know, we can certainly advise clients about the trends we are seeing, but the short answer is, especially because we have such a robust response from the governor's office, until the governor changes the executive orders that are in place, and we are up into the 30s now at at last check in terms of the number of executive orders that have been issued, you know, you, you make the best plans you can, seeing what things look like now. We're optimistic that we are on a trajectory towards, you know, a, a pretty full reopening over the course of the summer or early fall, but we have no idea what these variants are going to do. And, you know, it, until we, you know, actually have something in writing from the governor's office until we have that very clear guidance, the answer is you plan And then you have a plan B and a plan C and very oftentimes a plan D just in case. Sounds like lots of plans for sure. Adria, what do you have to say? Same as Lauren, which is, it's very hard to long-term plan now. We, We can do our best and we help our clients prepare as best we can, but with a backup plan, things are looking good, but we just don't know. So it's hard to, to do real long-term planning. We did experience with the questions about vaccinations we were talking about earlier, a lot of employers had questions early on about what what should I do in terms of mandating vaccine or encouraging the vaccine. And in the earlier stages before it was widely available, we were counseling employees can't even get it yet. So let's not jump ahead of ourselves and start making mandates when not everybody can even access the vaccine. And and a lot of employers were hesitant to be the first ones to go out there and mandate it until they saw what happened. And we've now passed that in Delaware anyway. And I think most, most states across the United States, which is that vaccinations are widely available now. And so employers are having to address that question of what am I gonna tell my employees? 
So, so again, there, there's waves and it's hard to plan long-term. And in the beginning, you know, you couldn't in terms of vaccines, but at least in vaccine territory now, we, we can advise on that and should be. So let's talk a little bit about the clients themselves and, you know, what kind of a business mood there is. I mean, again, depending on the business, many businesses struggled mightily during the pandemic and yet other businesses thrived. You know, many employers had to lay off their workforce and other businesses had their entire workforce work virtually and ended up minimizing some of their overhead expenses. So it's kind of a mixed bag, but what's the mood of your clients like as they face this post-vaccine world? Laura, what do you think? You know, I think that the mood is cautiously optimistic. You know, to your point, the impact on different businesses has been vastly different. And so, you know, for particularly those businesses that really weathered the pandemic very well, and a lot of that is sort of the, maybe what you'd call like intellectual services. So accounting, legal services, certainly medical services, those kinds of things, you know, the, the, the need, the demand was, was, was very consistent. But I have to say also that in the retail sector, things are booming. We have clients that are doing extraordinary levels of business. You know, I always think of a marine store that I that I represent. And they said they they have consistently sold out of boats during the pandemic, which is amazing to me. That is quite the luxury purchase in the middle of a recession. But even when they were not able to service boats, even when they were not able to do sort of the face-to-face aspect of their work, they were selling selling like hotcakes. So I, I think that it is mixed, but I think that, and Adria and I have this discussion all the time, what's the world going to look like this summer? And, you know, I, I think people are feeling very excited, but understanding that, that we may just have to continue to, to change and shift and adjust. So, Adria, what do you think this summer is going to look like? And what are your clients thinking about the post-COVID world? Most of my clients, I think, are still so overwhelmed with the day-to-day management of what is required in the pandemic world on top of their regular employment, you know, what, what went on in employment every day before the before COVID came into play. And now that now they've got this whole extra layer. So I can't say I've gotten a clear message on their mood other than they're still trying to deal with these very basic level decisions of of operating their business while a pandemic's still here. It is going to be tricky. It is going to be tricky for sure. And I'm really glad we're talking about Delaware because I live in Pennsylvania. It's the state right below me. And I usually drive down and have dinner at the Wilmington Hotel there, right there in the middle of town. Fantastic (laughs) place. I've actually been there with one of your partners before, but Let's just talk about Delaware as we close up here a little bit. What's unique or noteworthy about their approach, do you think, given all the other experiences we've seen from New York and California? What has Delaware done that may be a little bit unique as it regards to their uh, approach to the pandemic? They've been, I think Lauren touched on it before, for a small state, they have been pretty active and involved in getting out their own guidance. And I, I have lots of friends in the in the Department of Justice that's been helping out with this effort. So I know I know what's been involved. I mean, we are a small state. Our governor's office has two legal counsel in it who would normally, you know, they would be the only ones responsible for getting these these executive orders out. And they were pumping out orders at the same rate that, you know, a state like California was having to pump them out. So it was an extraordinary effort. They've been very involved and active and at the forefront and staying that way. 
at the same time, that's caused Lauren touch on that as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to line up to be perfectly consistent when you're issuing these executive orders. So, so Lauren and I find ourselves digging way down into the weeds on, on, you know, and, and the state level guidance does not have, they don't come out with regs to support it or, or other guidance. We have the words on the paper on the executive order and, and that's it. So we, we've spent a lot of time digging into to what Delaware says on the pandemic. So they, they've been active on the, on the state level, and I think we'll, we'll remain so. Lauren, what are your thoughts? I agree with everything that Adria had to say. This has been a monumental effort from the governor's office on down. And really, I think a testament to the attitude of Delawareans in general in the Delaware Bar that we have come together. We have worked diligently to get the best answers that we can for for the Delaware business community and for individuals. You know, what is best for our workers is best for our businesses. And I know that that has been a particular focus of every effort to try and guide our clients, but really from the governor's office down to try and guide everybody in responding to this unprecedented situation. Thanks for the recap. And it, it just reminds me what a great place Delaware is to visit. So if you're doing business, think about Delaware. If you're driving through, stop by and see Delaware. And certainly if you're in downtown Wilmington, stop by and see our friends at Young Conaway. Ladies, thanks so much for joining us today for the program. Be safe and well out there. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you'd like to connect with Lauren, Adria, or any of our lawyers around the world, please search for them on the ELA website at ela.law. Also visit the website to receive invitations for upcoming webinars, download white papers, get access to our on-demand library, or use the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks for listening.